With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Past Lives Podcast, Episode 9. I'm your host, Simon Bowne. My mission here at the Past Lives Podcast is to investigate evidence that demonstrates survival of the human soul. We will look at past life memories, near-death experiences, spirit communication and other incredible phenomena. You can visit my website at www.pastliveshypnosis.co.uk This week my guest is Terry Yoda. Terry is an internationally known psychic medium and tarot card counsellor. He has had three near-death experiences in his life. In this episode, we talk about his work as a medium and how his near-death experiences affected his psychic talents. So Terry, thank you for coming on to the Past Lives podcast. So could you just tell us uh, exactly what it is that you do? Well, I'm a psychic medium, clairvoyant and empath. I work at a healing center mainly in the city of San Francisco, California, a healing center called Roja Center for uh, Healing. And um, I work with a lot of different uh, issues. I deal more with the present and the present as it is affecting the future than I deal with with the future. Um, I deal a lot with relationships business decisions, jobs, emotions, emotional blocks, and I also communicate with the other side. So it's really a variance of what I do. And, uh, you know, it's not just in my office. I also work via Skype as well and work with uh, an international clientele. And when you're working over Skype, is it just as effective? I I suppose that um, distance doesn't affect you really, does it at all? It is just effective. If it weren't, I don't think that I would offer the service. But, you know, for me, it's literally just like we're in the same room together. And um, I also have a sense that the electricity that's utilized in the electronic communication, I think also adds to the sensitivity, for me anyway. Well, that's interesting. My occasions in in recent especially where you know um people from the other side have contacted their loved ones through electronic devices uh i literally had a woman in fresno california who had a 30-minute conversation with her father-in-law through the use of or the movement of the of the tray of the dvd or blu-ray player 
You know, two moves is a yes, one move is a no. And it answered intelligently for 30 minutes. And do you have any experience with the electronic voice phenomena? Um, I have... I have done ghost hunting um, expeditions and things. I personally have never collected an EVP. Um, I was told it was because I was using my iPhone and the filter is actually too good. It actually wipes out the EVP. But I have had numerous experiences where I have heard very clear EVPs. Oh, okay. And that is through other people recording them, I suppose, is it? Right. And, you know, I was told, go get the little voice recorder that's $9.99. And that's actually the best quality to pick up the EVPs. I've been using my iPhone. And I guess what I'm told is that the filtration, it's almost studio quality. So it wipes out that whole band of communication. I personally collected one, but I've heard numerous that were very clear. So your abilities came through because of a near-death experience. Is that correct? That's right. Um, My first near-death experience was at birth. Um, I was taken cesarean at seven months in 1965 and was in the hospital for almost a month. I only weighed three pounds at the time, and if you could see me now, you could never know. (laughs) Um, But... I can actually have, I actually have recollection to the first time that I ever saw light. And uh, that experience set me on my path. My second near-death experience was at 14. And I believe that to be my spiritual awakening because within weeks of that experience, I found a deck of tarot cards and they came to life for me. Um, They just came to life for me. And I also noticed right after that near-death experience that everything that is had a small, thin, golden aura of light around it. And I knew something was up. But when I found the tarot cards and they came to life for me, it really set me on a path. Um, It was a very active summer, the summer of 1979. I had the near-death experience. I found the tarot cards. And by the end of the summer, I was forced to return home into my home state of Indiana, and I was thrust into the uh, Pentecostalism, fundamentalist Pentecostalism for four years. And that's when I really began to clarify and understand spiritual gifts. Um, I think that's really what made me a medium, was the access to the spiritual gifts. So being in that kind of fundamentalist environment would you say that that hampered your gifts or it kept you on the same level it was a benefit in the aspect that it really taught me lot a lot about spirit um it was a detriment in the aspect that what i was being taught uh did not align it's like you You can't teach love when you don't have love. Um, It was it's it was it seemed very political, and there was a very set list of rules and regulations, and um, a very old set of rules and regulations, 
and of course, of course, no tarot cards, no, no mediumship, no psychic, no, and I just have never been able to accept that it works that way. I, you know, something that I'll use to maybe clarify this is, biblically, it says it's by our works that we are known, and I disagree. I believe it is the intention behind our works by which we are known. Okay. So, Terry, would you be able to describe for us your near-death experiences? Well, the one at birth, I don't remember. All I can say is that I remember my first glance at light. Um, The one in 14, um, I was raised in a very rural part of the state of Indiana, and it was kind of a lonely childhood for me. And when I finally did connect with another neighbor child, he taught me to huff gasoline. And we would huff gasoline to get high, and which is a very dangerous practice. Uh, I used to not like to talk about why I had the near-death experience, but I realized it could actually save somebody's life or someone's child. And this particular experience happened on uh, Memorial Day weekend, 1979, and uh, late May, and I had huffed gasoline for probably close to two hours. And suddenly, I was no longer inside my body. I was outside my body. I was looking down on myself. I could see myself slumped over the can on the, tr- on the, on the tractor. And I was drifting backwards. And it just didn't feel comfortable for me to be drifting backwards. And it also appeared to me as if it were getting darker as I moved back. Uh, I got the sense that my life was fading And just then, my father lifted the garage door, and I was thrust back into my body. And my father saved my life. If he did not lifted the garage door when he did, I believe that I would have passed. Um, The that was at age fourteen. Then I found the tarot cards. I realized that they were real and that their messages were real. I spent four years in uh, fundamentalist Pentecostalism. I left that and began doing my readings again, um, probably 1983, 1982, 1983. By 1984, I was teaching and doing readings part-time. Um, the next near-death experience occurred when I was 41 in I had I was returning from a, a psychic event, and I began to sneeze multiple times, and I sneezed maybe fourteen times in rapid succession. Passed out behind the wheel of my car, and when I woke up, I was about to hit a bus, and. I looked quickly both ways, did not see anything, thought I was on a divided highway, flipped the car into the left-hand lane, and within a second and a half was hit head-on by a car. Oh, boy. um, It's amazing what you can think in a second and a half to three seconds. I did have life recall. 
Um, I was thrust out of my body, up above my body, into a vibrant green colored light. And I was literally out of my body, Simon, and did not even experience the impact. Because about nine, I estimate that about 90 seconds after impact, I was literally trying to push on the gas. It's like, why am I stopped? And I was literally trying to push on the gas, and I realized, oh, my foot is flipped backwards. Oh, there's no windshield. And I could hear the hissing and the smelling of the of the oil and the water in the car. And I realized then that I had been in an accident. But probably the most phenomenal event in during that accident is the fellow who was right behind me in the car in physical form came and helped remove debris from me and talked to me and kept me calm and made sure that I was okay. He was also going and visiting the other person who had been in the accident both of which we both survived and we're both okay. But every time this man in physical form would disappear from me or go away, there would be another fellow maybe 100 feet from my door just watching. And finally, this fellow in physical form left, and this other fellow who had been watching came over to me and said, Terry, my name is Ben. I've come to be with you in this moment so you do not have to have this experience alone. May I touch you? And I agreed, and he touched me. He literally put his hand on my heart. And I was almost as if I was in a trance. And I looked up into the two of the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen. And he said, there's only one thing you need to know from this moment moving forward. And that is that both of you will heal and both of you will be fine. There is nothing to worry about. And he said it again. There's absolutely nothing to worry about. Well, by then, the ambulances and the police cars started arriving. And this fellow at my door stepped back from me and he says, I have to go now. And he smiled at me and vanished in front of my eyes. And I knew at that moment that I had been touched by an angel. I just I just knew that I had been touched by an angel. And I knew that he was telling me the truth. And I knew that everything would be okay. And that I would heal. And that I had absolutely nothing to worry about. And have you had contact from him since then? I have not. But you know... Something beautiful in the physical world that occurred around that accident is that the fellow who had been in the car behind me, who took debris from me, he was so worried and concerned about me that he actually took an ad in the local paper in the small town of Pacifica, California, where I lived at the time, to ask anyone that knew my condition to please have me contact him or for them to contact him. So I had I had the joyous pleasure of meeting him back in Fresno, California and having dinner with him. And when I opened the door and he looked into my eyes, he burst into tears and he says, brother, I did not ever expect to see you standing. And I says, well, that's that's part of the miracle. You know, it's a miracle that I wasn't decapitated by the table that flew out through the windshield of my car. Nothing touched my head. It's amazing. It's an, a miracle that I had no internal bleeding. Um, but when I met with this fellow, I said, 
who was the guy? Did you see the guy that kept coming to my door or the one who came to my, he says, Terry, there was no one else there but me. And yet I had this visitation with this angel by the name of Ben. And I believe he saved my life. I believe with all my heart that he saved my life. He, I, I remained calm. Um, I was trapped in the car for over 45 minutes, Simon. And, you know, my left knee was impaled on the dash and my, my right foot was completely flipped backwards. I had seven broken ribs and a broken arm. And I didn't really even start to feel any pain until about 40 minutes out of 45 minutes being trapped in the car. So, but it, I feel like it really solidified me and, and, and kept me calm and helped me be stable. And so that I didn't hurt or harm myself. There were several people who made attempts to get me out of the car. And had they gotten me out of the car with the injuries that I had, dear, I wouldn't be walking today. So do you feel that the near-death experience in some way lifted a veil and gave you this psychic abilities? And so you are able to communicate with the spirit world? I do believe that. Uh, astrologers all have told me that I have a very remarkable chart. Um, my numerological vibration for my birthday is 33, which is a pretty powerful, uh, number. It, uh, makes room for a lot of prophecy and connection to the other side and spirituality. Um, so I do believe that the first one sort of set the pace. Um, as a matter of fact, when they did they did take me cesarean uh when they when they opened my mother i shot up and threw my arms into the air the doctor looked at my mother and said i hope you're ready for this one and the interesting connection is that in the accident just before impact i said spirit take my soul and i lifted my hands into the air and the doctor and the orthopedic surgeon told me that that's the only thing that saved my life. Had I held on to the wheel, I would have experienced a 140-mile-an-hour impact. One near-death experience in a person's lifetime is enough to be life-changing. How do you feel about having had multiple experiences? I feel like they have put me in place. I feel like they have set me on this on the correct track, so to speak. Um, you know, I often feel like coming into this world probably was a very scary thing for me with the destiny that I have to fulfill. And I believe that the first near-death experience perhaps is what kept me here. Um had I been allowed to continue full term with my mother, I don't know that I would have survived. She had toxemia and, you know, there was blood in her. There, there was poison running through her system. Um, at 14, I had no self-esteem. I had no direction. I was being raised in a part of the country that I wasn't joyful. Um, did not feel that I had much support from um, from any direction, 
And this is the one that I believe came in and says, hey, look, you've got a purpose here, and we're going to make sure that you get on that purpose. So, you know, after that second near-death experience with the, the huffing, my parents sent me to Arizona to live with my grandmother for the summer, and that's where I found the tarot cards. And God bless my grandmother because she always told me from the time I was very small, you have something very special. There's a specialness about your mind. And if you only use your mind with good intentions, you'll see marvelous results. And she was right. Um, she was the greatest source of support. The last near-death taught me how to take care of myself. Because I was so busy caring for others and doing readings, and I was traveling all over the country. I was going on national tours. I was booked six months in advance. And every single person that came in my office said, what do you do to take care of yourself? And I would just shrug it off. You know, I'm too busy to take care of myself. I'm working with all these other people. And this is the event that really taught me, hey, you need to come first you need to focus on yourself. Um, it also removed some other blockages um, from my life. Um, I was held down by a relationship at the time, and it sort of it gave cause to end that relationship and to free me from several different aspects that were really kind of holding me down. Um, and it put me on the course of thriving because today I'm absolutely thriving. I'm able to walk. I don't have a limp. There's no noticeable difference in my physical body and it's absolutely miraculous. So if I could move on to some questions about your mediumship, there's one thing I've wondered. Is it as hard for the spirit world to contact us as it is for us to contact them? I think it's harder for us. And one of the things that I can speak to this about um, personally is one of the things that gets in the way, Simon, is all of the things that we've been taught and our own expectations. The most frustrating and difficult thing to deal with as a medium, Simon, is um, people watch all of these shows about mediums on television, and it does a lot to bring awareness to the work, to bring awareness to the craft. But it hyper, hypen, heightens people's expectations to the point that if it doesn't come their way, oftentimes they won't receive it. So I think on our side, on the physical plane, we have a much more difficult time connecting um, than spirit does from their side. The only thing they take with them is the love that they, that they manifested here on earth. All the problems and issues, those are left here on this side. And that's part of the process. It can make it more difficult for people from the physical plane to connect with spirit. But I believe that everybody has the ability to connect with spirit. Everybody has the ability to be a medium uh, for themselves uh, specifically. But I do believe it's this side that has the more difficulty because we have the highest level of expectation and uh, our discernment can get in the way. So have you ever been shocked by what has come through? 
a few times. Um, you know, when it was when it has been so dramatic, um, I can give you a couple of examples. The most recent was a few years ago when I had a young girl come to my San Francisco office. And when this girl contacted me, I could feel that she was emotionally raw. And she was because her boyfriend had been murdered three days prior in a, in a gang-related drug situation. And when I was doing the reading with her, uh, it was a 45-minute session. Um, a lot of things came out that she would just scream and say, oh, my God, that's, that's him. That's exactly what he would say, and that's exactly how he would say it. But toward the end of the 45 minutes, Simon, she says, you know, is there any sign or anything that he could do to, to let me know absolutely for sure? And I started down, you know, honey, you've had five or six revelations to you that have made you scream that you've acknowledged that it's him. And, and as soon as I said that, I literally got the image of him in front of me and he was doing, he was moving his hands very strangely. And I says, wait, 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 he does this. And I mimicked the movement that I saw with my hands. And she screamed and said, that was his gang sign. That was his gang handshake. And I know nothing about anything in gangland. And this young lady who came in raw walked out of my office 45 minutes later with a smile on her face. And the relief that she had contacted her boyfriend and had cleared all of the issues because they had had a fight about 20 minutes before he was murdered. That also, speaking about difficulty from the other side and this side, we hold on to all of the issues, all of the, uh, all of the differences, all of the arguments, fights, mishaps. And when they go, all of that is left behind here. I've had numerous clients who could not connect because they can't let go of the fact that they had a fight and they're worried and concerned that their loved one is angry. They're not angry. They've released it. Another example of shock, I mean, I it wasn't so much shock as it was, you know, a beautiful, witnessing a beautiful release I had a lady come to me in a psychic fair, and when she sat down beside me, I felt the presence of her mother, father, daughter, and husband. And I told her, I says, ma'am, I feel the presence of your mother and father on my left, and your daughter and husband have come in on your right. And she says, oh, well, my, my husband just died two weeks ago. As soon as she said that, he says to me in very, very clear voice, tell her I heard her the last four days of my life. So I told her, and she began to cry, and she said, Mr. Yoder, my husband was in a coma the last four days of his life, and boy, did I do a lot of talking. I forgave, I asked for forgiveness, and I told him that I loved him. And until this moment right here, right now, I did not know he heard me. And I literally watched 50 pounds of weight come off this lady's shoulders. She illuminated and her hope was restored. 
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So can you tell me, have you ever had physical objects appear? I have not, but I recently had a client in Fresno, California, who the mother is always leaving dimes for everyone. So whenever they find a dime, they know it's from mom. There's, a, there's an agreement about dimes. But the father, there's never really been any contact with. And one day, the my client was making toast for her grandson. She laid a, a napkin on the counter, and when the toast was ready, she picked it up and turned to put it on the napkin, and there was a physical metal screw laying right in the middle of the napkin. And she didn't understand what did that mean. Or who was that? Because it didn't fall from anywhere. And I said, who was the carpenter in the family? My husband's father. I said, he's checking in. So I, I, I've, had, I've had people have physical objects appear. Have you ever had it where somebody has had no contact from the other side, from somebody who's passed on? And they come to see you, and that person on the other side doesn't come through to you either. Do you ever have that happen? There's multiple reasons why. Um, um, a lot of times people, they come, in, they come in different fashions. My mother spoke to me within an hour of her death. She was very active for about six months. She came and said, I'm not going to be around as much for a while. She disappeared. She didn't have contact with me. And then she came back and had contact with me. My one belief about why there is no contact is because we have to process our grief on the physical side. And they have to process their grief on the spiritual side. And... If there's a lot to be dealt with on either side, it can prevent contact. It would be like ripping the scab off of a wound, Simon. It would take a person either in spirit or a person in the physical plane all the way back to the beginning of the process of their grief. If contact was permitted with those types of issues in between the two. Does that make sense? Yes, it does, yes. Um, sometimes people go right directly into life review and start working on their next life. And that's from a reincarnation point of view. Yes. I mean, but literally it could be a myriad of reasons why there is no contact. It may be too soon. And talking about reincarnation, do you ever get information from the spirit world about uh, that kind of thing? Yes, I have uh, I have past life recall come to me for clients um, a lot. Um, I believe in reincarnation wholeheartedly. 
as a child, I constantly had, you know, a child of three and four, I constantly had a dream where I was older, like nine to 12, and I was in a cell with hay on the floor, and I knew that they were going to come and cut off my head. And I couldn't get away. Uh, you know, I kept even telling my mother, I keep having this dream, I keep having this dream. And she says, it's because you're watching vampire shows on TV. But I also have an uncanny ability to speak French. And my accent is very pure, although I, you know, was raised in a country town and had, a, had teachers who did not speak French well. And I actually speak French from an area of France that I do not, I've never even been to. And going over to Paris and going through uh, the old buildings there where they have memorials and things set up, I literally had a beam of light come off of a plaque in the Pantheon. And when I looked and touched the plaque, it listed the name of a 12-year-old boy who was put to death in the French Revolution. And I believe with all my heart that that is who I was. I, I had to get out of the building instantly because I felt like the whole place was going to fall in on top of me. And I know that is that boy that I dreamed myself to be based on a past life recall at three and four years old. And do you feel that the spirit world in some way engineered that? Yes. To, to give me confirmation and validation... I've also experienced something with cellular memory where a memory or trauma from a previous lifetime is actually housed in a physical body in the present. I was working with a reflexologist who I have very little mobility in my feet and ankles. I can ski wonderfully. I just can't stop. Um, but he began working on my left foot and he was rotating my ankles to help get open them up and get more movement. And I literally moved into a post-traumatic stress moment where I was live and on stage on the floor of the Coliseum. I could feel the grit of the sand on my back. I could feel the heat of the sun. I could taste the sweat and the blood and I could smell the dust, and I hear this roaring sound, and I see a chariot come with iron wheels that literally drove right over that ankle. Cut it off. So that was a validation of previous life. That I came out of the chair screaming at the top of my lungs and scared the poor reflect. I doubt he's ever touched a foot since. <laughs> okay, so Terry. Yeah. In your work as a medium, has anything ever scared you? Not that I can recall. Um, I've had cases and situations that I would not take, um, situations that I would not enter into because it didn't feel safe. Um, so I kind of link that sort of thing with Ouija boards. I think they have a bad reputation and... What I've heard about them is uh, if you set up a Ouija board and start using it, you're just letting any anything come in. It's almost like standing at your front door and shouting out to everybody passing, come in my house, come in my house. Would That's you say true. that Ouija boards are something to be avoided? 
Yes. Because it is, it's just like that. It's just open. Anything can jump in. And, you know, even working as a medium, dear, one of the reasons why I ask qualifying questions, you know, how old was he? When did he pass? How did he pass? Um, I ask qualifying questions because when I open up as a medium, I want to make sure that I'm actually dealing with the actual person that I'm supposed to be connecting with. Because, you know, there's a lot of spirits out there and they want to communicate. So I do ask qualifying questions to make sure that it matches who and what I've got. Does that make sense? Yes. So have you ever had contact with spirits that are not human? Animals, perhaps? Yes, I get dogs and cats and pets. Um, and, you know, I, I get messages that I feel are uh, from guides and angels that perhaps have never walked the earth plane. Um, but yes, cats, dogs, pets, uh, members of the angelic and guide realm that perhaps have never walked the earth plane. Yes. And do they have a different quality of, um, communication? Yeah, for me, they come in above, um, pets usually come right in in front of me. Um, and I feel them very emotionally in my heart. Guides and angels, they come in above my head. Um, and ancestral band, uh, loved ones, they come in from behind me and to my left side. And is it a thing where... You actually hear the communications with your own ears, or does the communication come through some other way? For me, Simon, and every every medium is different, and every medium practices in accordance to their own style. But for me personally, it comes right up through the center of my being. Um, I hear emotionally, and I hear in my heart, not with my ears. I see with my heart, not with my ears. So for me, it's a combination of um, like audio impressions on my heart, but it's also extremely empathic. My client just before this session just lost her husband in January, and they have three children. He was in Europe. She was in the United States when he passed. She knew instantly when he passed. And she says, is there, what is, what does he want me to know? And literally the first thing that he said to me was, oh my God, I am so moved and so impressed on how powerful you have remained in taking care of yourself and our children. You will never know how grateful. And the woman burst into tears and she says, that's exactly, that's exactly what I would have expected him to say. And that went on for an hour. Um, it, as it turns out, this woman's actually a medium herself. Uh, not a practicing medium, but she is very connected. And they're seeing the husband and experiencing him in the home on a daily basis. And is that something that would peter out over time? Because perhaps there's other things that he should be doing. 
Um, he denoted that they have a mission together. There's something that they're supposed to accomplish. There will be a point where I where it will fade for a moment in time where he has other things that he has to work on on the other side. And, you know, he, and also the need here on this physical plane may uh, decline as well as life circumstances goes forward. But I actually feel like this is a, she has a connection that she'll be able to maintain over a long period of time, if not for the rest of her life. So your mediumship abilities, is this something that you can just switch off, like you're just flicking a switch? And do you have assistants on the other side that are helping you with what you do? Yes, I do. Um, sometimes, and it's common in the, it's common with suicide that I that the messages that come to me from that realm are coming through the filter of my guides and angels. Um, so. My reference point with suicide is as it's almost as if you could imagine them going into a special hospital ward on the other side for healing of the soul. Um, I'm not talking hell and damnation or anything like that at all. It's a very specialized healing vibration that they appear to be speaking to me from that my guides and angels actually have to work as the medium between me and them. Okay. So they must be in some kind of a special healing place. Yes. And is this something you can just switch off? Yes. Like when I go out in public, I'm off. I go out in public and I'm just, I'm completely off. In the event that there is something super strong that has to happen, a, a, a very powerful message that has to be transmitted you know, I may get a glimpse at something. Um, but for the most part, when I'm out in public, I'm off. You know, when I go to parties, I'm off. Of course, anybody finds out what you want, what you do. There's 20 palms in front of you, all extended. <laughs> but I'm off. I don't, I won't open. I wouldn't open in a bar setting. I wouldn't open in a party setting. Uh you know, that's to me, that's just not a place that I need to be open. Plus, I also feel, Simon, that it's important that anybody that you work with, that you have their permission. You know, I, I don't want to spiritually eavesdrop on anybody. So have you been in a situation where you've been out somewhere, where perhaps even a supermarket or something, and something really strong comes through, and the person in front of you is just doing their shopping it's a message for them. Have you ever had something like that? Uh, one time, I believe, and I don't even remember the circumstances, but I think I just went up and patted the lady on the hand and said, you know, I just feel really strongly to tell you that it's all going to be okay. Okay. So if you had one piece of advice for somebody that's going to visit a medium, what would that be? Go in completely open-hearted, and go in with the understanding that the person that you're connecting with is in spirit and they may not be exactly the same as they were when they were on the earth plane. 
and do not allow your own expectations and demands uh, interfere with your ability to get a good reading. Um, let me give you an example of that. I had a woman come to me. She drove over 100 miles to get to me. She had an amazing experience with her husband, and she was so blown away that she went and had a friend of hers come who had had a similar loss. And when this woman came, she came with four of her sisters, and all four sisters were having physical experiences with the deceased. They were noticing changes in my voice and my language usage, my vernacular. Um, they were feeling things, hearing things, smelling things, knowing things, uh, confirming things for me. And the woman who came to actually have the reading got absolutely nothing. Because she had said in her mind that she was not going to believe anything at all unless he came in and said one specific word. And she left angry. Um, as a medium, I don't have control over how spirit connects with me. I don't have control over the words that they use. And I, and neither does the client. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So come in with an open mind, but also do protect yourself. Um, if anyone tells you that there's a dark cloud above your head and they need to burn seven candles and it's going to cost $700, run. Um, you know, don't fall for that. But be open-minded and be patient with the medium. Uh, sometimes it's not easy to make a connection. Um, and I would also urge that they record the session. Because it may not be evident at the time of the reading, but over a period of time, it may be very evident. So along with two, Simon, I guess I would say also, dear, that make sure that you're prepared. Make sure that you're ready to connect with the loved one. Well, Terry, thanks a lot for coming on to the Past Lives podcast. I think we've had a Great conversation. I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to be of service. And, you know, I'd love to invite you back on to the Past Lives podcast at some time in the future. I would absolutely love that. Thanks again, Terry. Bye now. Uh, I wish you great prosperity and blessings to all. Thank you very much for having me. Well, that was psychic medium Terry Yoda, and you can find him at his website, terryyoda.com. That's T-E-R-R-Y y-o-d-e-r dot com thank you very much for listening to the past lives podcast if you'd like to subscribe that would be great and if you'd like to contact me you can find my email address at my website www.pastliveshypnosis.co.uk and if you're enjoying the show why not leave a review thank you bye